Welcome to episode 7 of Cyberbytes the podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cooper, co-founder of Aspron Search. Today I sit down with Jane Bradshaw. She's just joined Enterprise IT Security as their new COO. Got a really interesting background spanning networking, product, marketing and operations. And she's actually built and sold her own company in the past. She shares the reality of life working for international firms with customers all around the world, and she's absolutely dedicated to educating others. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me on, Joseph. No, absolutely. First of all, congratulations on the uh, the new role. Thank you. Thank you. It's um, very exciting. This is a company that is uh, builds best of breed security solutions for our customers. And uh, cybersecurity, we are known as the Cyber Ninjas. Um, it's actually a term that is coined, and we we work with um, state government, education, uh, financial services, and um, healthcare. Nice. Well, how how many weeks you been there now? Five weeks. Five, five. weeks. Wow. Yes. Yes. And I, paddling as fast as I can to keep my head above water. Um, the initial. Um, work that I'm do- doing is, is a lot on the marketing focus. And I have a person who is absolutely fantastic that I work with on, on that with partners. Being a solution provider, we have very, very strong partners, uh, technology partners that we deal with, plus a master distributor. And it's still, you know, it's putting that best of breed solu- security solution in place for our customers. Um, a lot of it has been in the beginning looking at, you know, their solution briefs and doing some revamping of those, updating. Uh, we're redesigning the web, our website to be more current and reflect the you know, cyber ninjas and what we are and what we do. Um, we've had some interesting local, we're headquartered down in the Charlotte, North Carolina space. Um, and we've had some very, um, since I've been on board, uh, uh, there's been a meetup down in Columbia, South Carolina, which was a lot of fun. Um, we did some things on education with a partner, Palo Alto, on SOAR and some of their, and Cortex and some of their newer products for the uh, educators in Mm -hmm. South Carolina. We had it at the South Carolina um, TV, ETV. So it's SCETV, which is kind of like the PBS piece and group, large group of educators came in and understanding what's going on in security and why they should be paying attention to it, which, which actually dovetails really nicely into what the educators are trying to position in terms of federal money. They're, they're lobbying to have money take that was really just being allocated on the network side. They're saying, you know what? Our networks um, have, are really starting to get beefed up now. Um, so we need to focus more on the security side and getting the, the security policies and stronger security products in place. So this dovetailed nicely, a lot of great, great event. Um, we are actually also, like this company sponsors with the Code Ninjas. And there will be an event on the 25th in March, of uh, March 25, um, in Charlotte. And that is really geared at girls in STEM. So I'll be down there uh, with a couple of the uh, other people that I work with at a to to play some games and to talk to the girls about getting into security and different uh, different career paths and things like that. Awesome! Is that like a free event or is it like how can people sign up? Should I send yeah. it in the show notes and? I they, I'm sure that um, 
I will get you that information. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes so people okay. can check it out because I'm sure there'll be some people interested in that. So look, right. um, Jane, I know there was lots to talk about just then, um, but before we go into all of that, keen to just find out where you're from and how you got into security. I know you've got like a really, really impressive background to say the least. So let's go, let's go through it because there's a few things I want to pick at before we get to your current role. Um, but yeah, let, take me back. So, you know, I've, I've been in networking forever. Um, that's where I started my career. I started it actually at a company. I, let's put it this way. I've worked for a lot of defunct networking companies <laughs> that are either been purchased or gone on a business, things like that. Um, I'm, I'm a CCIE from way back when. Um, so I really was in networking. I actually ended up in a role that, um, as I don't know if your listeners remember Wang Laboratories, but Wang was coming out of bankruptcy and they were growing through acquisition. They were buying a lot of companies to create a services company. And I went in and I led their um, networking services area, which also had some security, was really starting to be something people talked about. This is back in late 90s, 2000. Um, From there, I moved over to another networking product company as leading their marketing and, and product management. It was, unfortunately, it was a me too product. There were a lot of other competing products that we were late to market and it did a whole bunch of stuff, too much, too much stuff. The best thing I'll tell you, if you're creating a product, focus, 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 do not have it do everything, you know, load balance, uh, do network management, do quality of service, all of, and probably can clean your bathroom if you understood the right toggle. Um, we were actually out at a bank in, in Malaysia and the CIO said to us, you know what this product is good for? And I was like, oh gosh, oh gosh, here we go. Uh, he said, this is unbelievable against denial of service attacks, which were really hitting Asia at that point. They were starting to come over to the US and rest of the world, but in Asia, it was a big deal. So we were thinking, wow, that's a real differentiator. So we wrote, we, a group of us rewrote the corporate business plan, sold it to the board of directors and the other rest of the leadership team. And we made a, um, a wonderful product, an IDS and an IPS product. We relaunched the company within, um, I would say it was about six weeks, total relaunch to, re, to become a security product company. Mm -hmm. We had engineers that were reading a book on SSL and coding at the same time. Um, And when I say relaunch the company, that was website, content, collateral, look, feel, advertising, who our our whole branding, who we partnered with, because, you know, you had to really look for some specialized partners, people being trained in sales, marketing, you name it. We, we became, and eventually the company was sold. But in that time, I had a thought. Um, my husband was working, was in store, data storage. Um, he was in finance. He wasn't technical. But he was looking at, the, the, uh, there was a, um, an, a truck that was carrying tapes, DLT tapes, to a storage facility. And there was an accident. And he was lamenting one night, oh, we were counting the tapes, you know, making sure everything was there. And we, we were off. And I said, hmm, you know, what's really interesting about that is data at rest is data at risk. And he looked at me, he was like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense to me. And I said, well, no, think about that. It is, 
it, it, tapes. Yeah, I get that. It's physical tapes, but everything now we're starting to look at network attached storage and using your network for this type of stuff. And he's like, okay. And I, that really just made me, and I was like, I'm going to start a company. So uh, with a partner, I started a small company and uh, we looked at how's the best way to get business. Well, 8A, woman-owned company, and yep. my partner was um, a disabled Vietnam minority vet. And so we got other points there. We located the company in a head zone, head, uh, hub zone, excuse me, a headquartered there. We built a small data center. And before you know it, we were getting contracts because government need to use 8A firms and having the plus of being a hub zone too. So we created a data center and we were managing a lot. Uh, we we're outside the ring of fire of the mm-hmm. federal guidelines. So we are managing... Um, a, a lot of the backup and the traffic for these specific three-letter agencies. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And in that time, that also gave me the latitude. I had an idea for a SIEM uh, product, and it gave me the opportunity to spend my time building that in software. And we ultimately, um, we grew. We had about 65 employees, and uh, we sold the company. Nice. How did, you I, meet, how did you meet your partner at the time to do that? How he did worked you know with me. He worked for me right. at uh, the company. <laughs> so you poached somebody from your own firm. <laughs> yeah, he had only left the other company. No, um, That's amazing. He was, uh, and he was doing some consulting on the side. And when I approached him, he's like, yeah, this sounds cool. Let's dive in. And and it really was. For about nine and a half years, we we did this. And it was it was a lot of fun. And it really pushed me into security and data security, network security, cybersecurity, Um and I've stayed in that since that point. So after you'd grown grown the business, obviously there must have been a, a ton of challenges with that. I joke and say there's probably not enough hair dye left in the world for me to do, <laughs> to, uh, do another start start on my own company. I've gone and worked in startups since then and loved every minute of it. The best part about a startup is there's nobody slapping your hand saying, this is your swim lane. You focus here. You, you may have an idea for a, a security product, but that, that, that belongs over there. You don't touch that. So I think, you know, being in a startup environment is, or a small company environment where you can have a lot of impact is just, to me, the guts uh, that just resonates with my DNA. hundred <laughs> mm, percent. So after you'd grown, sold the business, what, what happened mm-hmm. after that? Was you not retiring on a, on a beach? No. Somewhere? No, I, I kind of, you know, I did look at that. I uh, looked at perhaps it'd be a better idea if I kind of focused on my family a little bit. Maybe I have two children and maybe I should pay them some more attention. Um, they quickly will like get out the door. Uh, no, mom. So I did, um, I moved over and I was at EMC for a while um, and, and that was fun. And then I had a chance to move over to um Dimension Data, which was, is part of NTT, and I created um, an intelligent managed storage product based off of the Viper product that EMC had had, and it was intelligent managed secure storage because we were really moving some things into the cloud. Um, and you know, from there, I moved over. I, I kind of was looking at my background and saying, yeah, I built data centers and I built them around the world, but I've never run a data center like intimately run it. I've set it up and let things go. And, you know, my partner was doing that when I had the company. So 
um, I moved to a co-location provider and I uh, was responsible there for not just product management for the data center, it was also looking at um, all of our security and compliance in our certifications for that so you know the looking at iso and uh we were iso 27001 maintaining that cert maintaining uh the the uh sarbanes oxley um we had some government entities looking at what that takes and maintaining those type of security we weren't fed ramp we didn't have to be because they our entities were but but there are stringent controls that you have to meet too so, you know, PCI, GDPR, how did that affect us? Because that was just coming in effect when I was at this colo. And because our data centers were in the U.S., we were, well, does that really affect us? Well, guess what? We had um, major European companies that were in our data center. So we had to adhere to all that and show them and document. The, I think that's what people that are, if they're getting into being a compliance officer or said, you know, that sounds interesting. I think I want to move there. They don't understand the amount of documentation that are that's required in order for you to meet all of these compliance regulations. Um, and that's really, you know, it's hurting cats, right? Getting people, okay, we have to have this library. We have to look at that. And I've run FedRAMP programs. So that's another complex piece that's against it, you know, that you've got to meet all of these specific regulations and, and detail and be able to show that you mm. meet that. That's critical. With um, Am I right in saying that you've only worked at two U.S. companies? Yes. Yep. Yeah. U.S. That I've, I've only worked in two companies that are only focused in the U.S. How how, how was that in, just in general? Um, you know, when I did that, when I made the change, and one was the co-location company, um, and when I made that leap it, at that point in time, I had been spending a lot of time on the road. Um, I joke about... Um, my daughter, when she was little, you know, little kids with drawing stick figures and and she taking her, coming home from school, waving her paper around, look, I drew a picture. And there's my husband and my son, and there's an airplane, crude, you know, airplane going over the top. And there's me, another stick figure in one of the windows waving at them. Um, I, when I would go, and especially, you know, when you go to Asia, you take, you're gone for two weeks, three weeks, mm -hmm. because you need to hit all of these countries while you're there. You're going to make it worth it because, you know, flying to Australia from the East coast of the U S is 22 and a half hours. Mm -hmm. So you need to, you really need to spend your time and spend it wisely. Um, I just got, to, I got to a point of, you know what? I, I really, if I want to go to Europe, I, I would go to London, how people viewed going to New York city. Wow. I, you're going, oh, overnight, go to London for a meeting and then turn around the next day and come home. No problem. I can do that. And I, I just said, you know what? If I want to go to Europe, I want to go um, on vacation. That's, I want to enjoy myself. I really want to start to focus here. It, it was an interesting transition and one I did struggle with that mm -hmm. talking to and, and really getting the people in the company to understand what, like I said, the GDPR piece. Why do I have to pay attention to that? We're not a European, we don't, it, but we have European companies in our data center. So we do have to look at that. Getting them to understand what happens in the different parts of the world affects what happens to us here. Yeah. 100%. In networking, not just business, you know, in business, 
and in networking and security and getting them to understand that was always um, an interesting challenge. Mm. It really was. So obviously just flying to London and treating it as if it's like a a 30 minute trip. Obviously there's that work-life balance you mentioned that you sort of didn't have. How Mm. about now then? Like how, so what what's the future and work life balance? How's it different now? Are you traveling so much or no, no, and I'm traveling. Um, my company's I'm located in the Northeast. My company is headquartered, but I work for it is in Charlotte. That's a quick flight. What's that like two hours? That to me is like, man, eh, whatever. That's not, I'm not changing four different time zones. You know, it's a yeah, the climate's different. It's warmer there than where I am. But um, in fact, everybody that I talk to is about bad allergies down there because this, this is this is their green pollen season they're covered with green everywhere um however you know it's um this even though we are focused in the u.s and we are focused in this area um we do talk to we have uh, people in other countries and customers reaching out to us for assistance because this is what we're known for. And it's really, so I'm still getting my international um, fix. How's that? And looking, and and even though um, I don't think that I will ever, ever be able to take to set my kids are grown, they're gone. So I don't have to worry about coming home and, you know, I'm missing this happening in their life or that happening in their life. Now I'm trying to like pull it out of them. Right. (laughs) Tell me what's going on. Um, But the interesting part is I still am a junkie for everything that's happening within security, no matter where it's happening and how will that affect us? I mean, you can see with the war um, in Ukraine that the difference that we were seeing in attacks on our critical infrastructure in the US a year ago in January are so different in a year ago in February, where the the attacks started really ratcheting up, and we can see all the different pieces that are happening. Um, that in itself, IoT and or ICS IoT security is such an interesting piece. I mean, the attack surface is massive, and you know people don't think about that. They don't and you know, they think, oh, yeah, yeah, that isn't that how the target breach happened? You, you know, they came in through the HVA system. Oh, that would never happen here. Well, is your HVAC system, is that on your network? Mm. Oh, yeah. When's the last time, when did you ever change those passwords? Oh, it has passwords? So you you do, you know, I'm not saying that that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but but it with the, the part that's very difficult for security companies, um, they're sell, they're used to selling to IT. Mm-hmm. This is a totally different group, and they don't meet a lot in the middle because H, you know, your your facilities systems are controlled by the facilities department, not the IT department. Now, obviously, throughout the years has been more and more of a melding of minds in the middle and understanding because of the target breach, because of uh, what happened with the the fish tank out in uh, Vegas in um, one of the big hotel, big casinos there. Um, So they do, they are getting a better understanding of it. They're still, it's still, if you are going in to sell this, you're selling to a different crew. And And if you start to look at healthcare, where they have medical device engineers, IT, and then facilities, those are three silos. 
and they don't talk. <laughs> they aren't talking at all. And, you know, so you really have to look at the IoT controllers that are wireless based. How secure are they? What are they controlling? Are you able to take your wireless network and segment that? So you, you aren't carrying uh, visitor or patient traffic on, on the same or they don't have, you can't have a crossover between what the medical personnel are also mm -hmm. working with. I mean, you know, the, I wrote a white paper uh, a couple of years ago. It is um, securing the internet of medical things. And that I'll tell you, Joseph, if you read that white paper, you probably, you'd go, oh my God, I am never going to get another MRI. If I do, I'm going to be checking that machine out left and right. <laughs> Fascinating, isn't it? The whole industrial security piece itself is just fantastic. We do a lot of work with Dragos and their whole oh, mission yeah. is safeguarding civilization. And yes. what an interesting uh, conversations I have with the practitioners there and even, even the sales folks, it's, it's amazing. Um, cool. Well, look, we, we could talk for hours, um, Jane. What advice would you give to somebody that's looking to potentially consider a, a career starting maybe in networks or some something similar to yours? Um, you know what? Um, I will tell you the, one of the things that I have found that people, and I think women in security actually have a better handle on this is the human piece. There's, you know, if you, you follow the breaches, it's a human aspect that's happened, that's happened somehow or other. Mm -hmm. That is always the, when we're involved, there's major holes, right? But you're never going to get away from that. Um, I would, I would tell you, get yourself educated. There's so much material that's out there. Find the companies that you think are leaders within your area that you want to focus on. So like you mentioned, Dragos, Aramis, Dragos, they're really top of the line, Nozomi, in the, in the whole OT security side. And look, go on their websites. But I still do this. I sign up for every webinar that I can find. Do I miss more than I attend? Yes, but I get, you know, you get the little link and I go back and watch them. That's how you're going to really understand what's going on out there. Don't lose the human part of it though. That, you know, you really have to have that, that EQ, that emotional quality or emotional quotient that, that has to be applied to this because people are, they still are, no matter how much security training that you're sending them through, they're still sticking that little yellow sticky on the side of their workstation and in their passwords, you know, you're still fighting with them about it. Please don't use password underscore one, you know, it's think of, think of And one of the interesting passwords I actually heard the other day was somebody was saying, you know, the best one to do is look at some nursery rhymes and put spaces between those words, because you're going to remember that. So I, you know, that, that, that's, that was a good tip for people too. Um, it's look, read, read, read and understand what's going on out there. Those are the most valuable employees that you can apply your knowledge of what you're getting. And I always said, I always say, whenever I was interviewing for something, I'm a student of the game. Yep. I am very competitive and I want to win but I have to know what all of my competitors, potential competitors are doing and what are their views on what's happening within this. 
join, um, go to the meetups, go to, see what, see what you can do. Join Women in Security, join SANS, join um, IS, you know, join ISSP, join these specific, um, and they have student memberships. Yep. They have uh, individual memberships. So you don't have to go to the big corporate thousand dollar thing. You don't have to do that. Go to RSA. You don't have to attend all the sessions. You don't have to spend all the money to attend these sessions or find the local security magazine puts on a lot of things locally. Just go to, go in as an observer and talk to the vendors that are there. Um, uh, one tip, don't be like me and fill your bag with 85 pieces of collateral. Then it ends up weighing 90 pounds. And you you look at it as you're walking out of the place going, yeah, but I like that squishy balls. I'm going to keep that and throw all this crap away. Um, don't do that. You know, do the every what's cool now is you, you can scan the QR code um, that they have on the booths and you can get the material. But talk to those people. You don't know what you're going to uncover. Jane, this is amazing. The amount of gold that you've just come up with then is just great. So thank you so much for coming on the pod. And uh, I'm looking forward to maybe even having you on for a second series because we didn't even get to speak that much about some really interesting stuff. So thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. It was great chatting. Thank you. <laughs>